Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Chapter 20, A Suitcase Full of Cash. Miss Rose, I said the next morning, I went to tell Joe Starr about the Colonel's suitcase of money and about the night he crashed at the edge of town. She sat at the kitchen table, stirring cream into her coffee. That old story? She said, looking startled. Why? Because, I said, Slate might think that old story is true. It's the only reason I can think of that he might have stolen Miss, stole Miss Lana, and we can't tell that story without telling about the Colonel's crash. Lavender ambled in and slid my scrapbook across the table. Nice photos, he said, taking a basket of eggs from the refrigerator. You want some eggs, Mama? She shook her head. Mo, do you think you can make toast? Can I make toast? Is he kidding me? As I popped two slices of Wonder Bread into the toaster, the bathroom door slammed. Dale's up, I said, taking two more slices from the bag and twisting it shut. I glanced at Lavender, who tied a gingham apron over his jeans. What do you think we should do, Lavender? I think we should get some plates and forks. I headed for the cupboard. I mean about Miss Lana. He studied me, his blue eyes serious. I think we should do everything we can. If searching will help, I'll search. If talking about the suitcase or the colonel's crash will help, I'll talk. I'm surprised nobody's already told him anyway. Have I mentioned I will marry Lavender one day? We'll adopt six children, some of them twins. He poured the eggs into the pan. Dale, he bellowed. Get a move on. The toaster popped up two pieces of burnt toast. We need to tell it careful, I said. Star might not take the Colonel serious once he finds out he can't remember anything. Oh, Mo, everybody takes the Colonel seriously, Miss Rose said. He only missed being mayor by one vote last year, and he wasn't even running. Miss Lana voted against him, I said, twice. Lavender shoveled eggs onto three plates. Dale, he called. We're eating. Miss Rose smiled at him as he sat down beside her. Mason started that rumor the day I met Lana. You were such a cute baby, she told me. Yeah, except for that diaper thing, Lavender said, wrinkling his nose. I flipped a fork of eggs at him. Don't throw your food, Miss Rose said automatically. Mason and I went over expecting to find the colonel with you, but there was Lana sitting on the porch rocking you and singing a lullaby. I can see her clear as day wearing that light blue dress, the one with the little flowers and the pearl buttons down the back. We introduced ourselves and suddenly Lana and I were best friends. After a while, we went inside, and there was that old striped suitcase lying open, full of baby things, and beside the suitcase was a stack of cash. The colonel scooped the cash into the suitcase and closed it. Then he and Mason laughed about the colonel's suitcase full of cash. She glanced at Lavender, her eyes dancing. You know how your daddy used to be before? Well, before. Soon it was all over town how Lana and the colonel were living out of the suitcase of cash, buying whatever they needed to get the cafe up and running, she shrugged. I don't see much reason to tell Star about it, Mo, but I don't see any harm in it either, if you want to. Tell me what, a voice said from the hallway, and we jumped. I whipped around, my mouth full of eggs. Star stood in the door, hat in hand. His clothes were wrinkled and tired, and his chin wore a dark sheen. Did you find Miss Lana? I asked. Not yet. Suddenly, my eggs didn't look fit to eat. Come in, Miss Rose said. I'll pour you some coffee. He tossed his hat on the counter and sank into a chair. Thanks. His eyes found mine. Well, I'm reporting as promised. We've searched all the deserted buildings in the area. We didn't find her, but we also didn't find any sign of foul play. Second, we suspect Slate's driving a black Malibu, the last unaccounted for car that belonged to Dolph Andrews. It helps to know that. And third, my people are searching Slate's old hangouts in Winston-Salem. Also good. Winston-Salem? But that's so far away. But it's my territory which gives me the advantage, he said. Now we wait. Waiting's tough, 
but every detective knows that's part of the job, right? I nodded, blinking back tears. That's my report. Now, what did you want to tell me? I pushed my plate away as Dale slipped into the room. I wanted to tell you about a suitcase, I said, still trying not to cry. Actually, Miss Rose said, it's an old rumor about the colonel and a suitcase of cash. Star frowned. Cash? Dale inched towards Star and plucked a piece of toast from my plate. You could tell Dale the world had ended and he wouldn't lose his appetite. It was a lie, I said, finding my voice again. Dale's daddy told it after the car crash that brought the colonel to town and made him forget his life. Somehow, it didn't sound so good out loud. The point is, Slate might think that rumor about the money is true. I'm thinking that's why he kidnapped Miss Lana. Star nodded. I've heard the colonel has memory problems, he said. How about filling me in? I opened the scrapbook and slipped the colonel's story out. Here's the story in his own words, I said. You can skip the first part. It's about me. The second part's about him. To my surprise, he read the whole thing out loud. Dear soldier, I know you wonder how we came to be here in Tupelo Landing. You were born during a hurricane. I imagine your mother did what people do on hurricane days. She bought food, tied the porch furniture down, fell asleep listening to the wind. No one expected a flood. Like others, she awakened in darkness, startled by the bump of furniture against her walls. She swung her legs over the side of the bed and screamed. The flood water lapped against her knees. She splashed across the porch and scaled the trellis as bits of other people's lives drifted by. An easy chair, an oil drum, a chicken coop with a drenched rooster perched on one side. You were born as the water crept up the roof and her world shrank smaller and smaller. In the distance, I believe, she caught a glimmer of hope, a broken billboard spinning crazily on the tide. She wrapped you in her gown as the sign skidded across the roof. Gently, she placed you there, then cried out as the makeshift raft slipped from her hands. You spun away, my dear, and you were not afraid. I, on the other hand, was scared out of my mind. This next part is more about the colonel, I said. Star turned the page. I awakened in a wrecked car, in a raging storm, my head howling. Winds roared, trees fell, worlds drowned. Who was I? I couldn't remember. Where had I come from? I didn't know. I slid down the bluff by the creek, grabbing great hands full of cutso to break my fall and crouched by the creek. My leather shoes sank into the mud. I locked my arms around my knees and rocked to keep from screaming. I didn't know there was a dike upstream. I didn't know it would break. Why, God, I cried. Why do you want, what do you want from me? Give me a sign. In that instant, your billboard careened ashore on a wall of water, cracking the back of my head. I reached for balance and touched what I thought was a puppy. Then you grabbed my finger. My God, I thought, it's a baby. I fainted dead away. That's how Mason found us the next day. Me unconscious on half a billboard, you nestled in my arms, nursing on the pocket of my uniform. The half billboard said, Cafe Proprietor. Our path seemed clear. I will always love your mother for letting you go, soldier, and I will always love you for holding on. Love, the Colonel. P.S. I apologize for naming you Moses. I didn't know you were a girl until it was too late. I slid my plate to Star. Try the blackened toast. I made it special. I hope you ain't taken any of this about the Colonel the wrong way, I added. I'm trying not to. How much money is in this rumor? Oh, Miss Rose said, brushing imaginary crumbs from the table. $30,000 or so. The phone rang. Dale, do you mind getting that? Dale trotted off down the hall toward the living room. $30,000, Star sputtered, going red at the collar. It's just a rumor, I said. Really? That's a good trick, building a real cafe with rumored money, he said. I hadn't thought of that. I looked at Miss Rose. 
The colonel had some cash when he came to town, she said. Lana brought some. Mason liked the colonel. He might have loaned him money, for all I know. Things were better for us then. Star ran his finger along his eyebrow. Is any of that money left? I pictured the dollar bill over the cafe's kitchen door and the emergency five in my suitcase. I doubt it, Miss Rose said. As far as I know, their money was gone before Mo could walk. Except there is the dollar bill over the kitchen door. She laughed like a wind chime on a shady porch. Lana bought the first lunch special at the Colonel's Cafe, and if memory serves, she paid for it with his money. He hung it up the same day. Great, I'll run the serial number, Star said. See if it's connected to Slate. What? The Colonel ain't no robber, I said, my voice rising. I didn't tell you this so you could run the bloomin' serial number. Calm down, Mo Lavender said. Detective Star's trying to help. Mo, everything I learn gets me closer to finding Lana, Star said. He leaned forward, putting his elbows on the table. Something Miss Rose don't allow. I'm working every angle I can find, right? He glanced at my plate. Ain't gonna eat, anybody gonna eat that last piece of toast? Help yourself, Miss Rose said as Dale trudged back into the kitchen. Who was on the phone, baby? She asked. Slate. Lavender and Star leaped to their feet. Don't bother getting up, Dale added. He said he'll call back later.